Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we're here with my new friends. I love having the opportunity to meet new people. Marco and Aaron Hernandez, Reisner, Reisner? Reisner. Reisner. I'm going to make sure I pronounce that correctly. But thank you guys for making time. And I see you guys. It's Aaron actually on the mic today. Marco's cheering on and taking pictures uh, sitting nearby. But um, thank you guys so much for making time to sit down with the Boca Podcast listeners today. Thank you for having us. This is really cool. Oh, like it's a lot of fun. Show. It's not very often that um, these days that I get to do the interviews in person. I get to actually see you and, and uh, we can kind of play off each other's reactions and responses. It's lots of fun. Um, a lot of the, the interviews that I do these days are on Skype. And so this is a, a real treat. We're actually at the United Conference in Phoenix, Arizona. Ooh, go United! Which is incredible. If you guys, if you don't go to any other photography conference, make sure that you go to United. It's absolutely amazing. Um, the community is just incredible. And and I was just sharing this actually earlier in a conversation on the podcast um, with another good friend of mine, Sean Austin. And I was saying when I got here on Friday uh, for the, the mixer, I was exhausted. <laughs> we and, were tired too. Oh man. But the moment that I walked into that gathering, I it just, I gained an energy, which is kind of unusual for me because I t- have kind of introverted tendencies, but it's really the community that drives this, this conference. And it's been incredible. It, it is really good. I'm... I, you know, have some anxiety with stuff and this is our first time being here and I really made some great friends and I didn't expect to do that. No, yeah. I expected to like make acquaintances and, you know, like friends, like you see people on Facebook and you, you get to actually see them in person and say hi and hug, but you know, you don't really get a chance to, I, I didn't expect to have a chance to have deep, real, meaningful conversations with people and things that would like change my life. And I did. And that was that blew my mind. It was really, it's a great experience. Well, it, that, that in and of itself was unusual. And then just simply the fact that people actually come up and seek you out to have conversation. I know it's amazing. Awesome. And actually Marco, that's how I met you. You came up to me and we started having a, a great conversation actually. Um, so kudos to you for that. Thank you for that. But that's what I love about the conference. And that, that leads us to this conversation. So this yes. is really, really great. And I do have to give a shout out to my girl, Tina Kramer, because she's amazing and definitely introduced me to you. And yeah. this girl knows everybody and she's awesome. So if anybody's listening, go look her up. because She is a beautiful, beautiful person. She's going to, oh man, she's good. And she's a connector too. I realized this last night when she brought yet another friend of hers up to me to introduce her to me. I I love it. I love it. She's very proactive in that. Just an absolute sweetheart. Um, But we usually start off our podcasts with what I begin to call the aha moment. And uh, I love this because it gives different photographers an opportunity to share kind of a a turning point in their business, an experience or series of experiences that they had that ultimately led to a pretty significant change and ultimately growth in their business. Can you talk a little bit about that for you? Yes. So in 2016, February 2016, our daughter shattered her spine all over lower lumbar. She was riding on a galloping horse and the saddle was slipping And she fell off and hit 120-year-old post wrapped in barbed wire. Oh, goodness. And uh, so we had a couple of reconstructive surgeries, and we're waiting for a third surgery. We have to do another one. But she walks, so she's our miracle. Wow. Doctors could not believe it. They could see 
um, the spinal cord was broken in such a way that um, the base was intact, but all of the vertebrae were shattered. Like it was in just pieces. Goodness. And you could see parts where you could actually see inside, like we saw it. And the doctor was like, see all of this stuff? Well, those are all of the cords. Yeah. And, and they're all intact. Wow. They're not touched. Nothing happened to them, but the bone is gone. And so we were like, that's insane, you know, but. But the fact that she can walk now. Yeah. She's powerful and strong. She's the strongest person I've ever met in my life. I don't even know how she does it. She's amazing. But our world was rocked. So she had her accident hundreds of miles away from our home. And we were in a hospital for a long time and, and needed to get her transferred from that hospital to one near closer. But she had to be okay first, right? We couldn't just move her. So at that point, we went from like having a really awesome business. I mean, we were making bank. Like we weren't speaking. We weren't showing off. We like nose to the grindstone, make our business work, raise our family, do good to our clients. Like we were trying. I mean, we were we were doing it. Yeah. And we were doing good. Our CPA was like, uh, you guys need to start spending money. <laughs> and, and we weren't. We, you know, we didn't buy something we didn't need. Sure. You know, so we bought a car. We were building a house and all this stuff happened. And we were like, okay, we're not doing any of that. She, the infection, she had over 180 infections in her body. And so we, she took 33 pills a day for eight months Wow! and had to have an in-home IV. And so, um, we had three insurance companies fighting over who was liable and responsible. So at the time nobody was covering anything. So that meant nobody was covering her prescriptions. So the first month of prescriptions were $7,000. Goodness. Second month was $7,000. Oh. By the fourth month, we were past $30,000. And we actually had the money. And we were thankful that we had that. We, you know, and when we were working and we were getting more. But at that point, we, were, we had to stop. I mean, we, we couldn't. We were, our, we were never going to reach our projections um, because we were now going, okay, we're going to work 20 hours a week or less because that's what we had to do. We did not see anybody or work for three months. So how did that then, I mean, this is a significantly traumatic experience on an emotional mm-hmm. level, physical level, obviously for your daughter, but how did that then translate to what you were doing in your business? You said you had to make a change to only working 20 hours a week. Right. That's a massive shift. So we immediately called a clients and we were like, you know, um, we aren't able to shoot your stuff. This is what we're doing. If you want to stay with us, that's great. We'll just move you and we'll, we'll photograph you later on. We'll reschedule when we get back into town or we can refer you to other people. Okay. So we lost like more than half of our clients. They went to other people, even inquiries that were coming in, even people that hadn't booked yet, you know, just inquiries. Cause we would book up like, um, our summer would be booked in the winter. So, I mean, our families would be full, like everybody would be in there ready the Christmas card lineup. You know, I mean, we had people like booking like a year in advance just for family photos. Sure. I mean, and so then we were talking to the, you know, our clients and some of them left and then others stayed. And one of the things that really impacted me a lot was that some people were like, no, we want you. We hired you. We, we saved our money to, hi- to be with you. So when you guys are ready, we want you. Hmm. So just let us know. If it's a year from now, let us know. If it's six months from now, let us know. And we were like, thank you. We will do that. You know, and we stayed in contact. And then we had wedding couples that, you know, I couldn't turn off their weddings faster. And I'm slow anyway. We talked about this because I need to outsource <laughs> some stuff. And I, I edit every, everything. And every image looks like it belongs on my website. Even Aunt Shirley, you know. Yeah. So 
is a lot of work and I am about six to eight weeks and I don't lie to people. I tell them that's what I am. And my clients are fine with that. They know that they're getting art with every single picture from their wedding and they're happy about that. Sure. They're willing to wait and they pay for it and they appreciate it. So it works. But here we were and some of these weddings were 14 weeks, 16 weeks. Right. And I felt so bad. I felt like the worst person in the world. Like just a horrible individual that I cannot get these people the things that they had purchased sure. that they deserve to have that, you know, like, well, what are you doing? You know, and we were sitting in a hospital in some of those places. You can't use your computer. They don't let you even turn them on. So, you know, it was really hard. And I remember talking to people and the response from our clients was so outstanding. And they were like, you know, my, my wedding, our marriage, we're here forever. Hmm. We hired you because you're good and we love you guys. And we trust you. Wow. And we want the art. And I want you to take your time. And I want you to edit the pictures the way you do. And I don't want you to feel rushed. Just know that we're here and our marriage is here. And we're ready whenever you guys are. So let us know. And it was not one person. It was like five people. Wow. And I just sat and I cried. And I was like, these people are amazing. Yeah, yeah. So what I ended up doing was I found my marketing it split. You know, um, some people left. Some people were like, no, I really need it now. I need to go. And that was fine. They didn't come back either. And I was like, you know, that was okay. Because all of a sudden I had these people that were investing in us. And I was like, these are my clients. Interesting. And they weren't just investing in you financially. It was was a real relationship. You mentioned the word trust earlier, which is such Mm -hmm. a significant part of developing a real relationship with your clients. That plays a massive role. But this is a again, I mean, this is an aha moment, certainly to, um, to, to say the least, it created a massive change in the way that you were doing business and you had to cut back to working 20 hours a week. We're going to get into some of the practical sides of, of what that actually looked like, how you made that happen here yes, in just a little bit. Yes. But I, I can't thank you enough for your vulnerability and sharing that experience because I know it, it, it's, well, and, and you're still going through the process of kind of recovering from that. And your daughter has this upcoming surgery. Um, and I certainly wish her the best in that, but Thank also kudos to her too, for just fighting through it. And as you say, being such a strong person, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful story in that sense. Um, do tell us a little bit more about you guys as a family and your kids and like, what's a, what's a day in the life uh, look like for you guys? So up until this moment, the day in the life for us was really horrible. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be honest. It was bad. Um, we were busy yeah. and I hate that word. You know, it's like a dirty word. It's a four-letter dirty word. It's the <laughs> B word. <laughs> we were we were so busy, and, and everybody was upset and depressed and not happy, and we all were pretending to be happy, and we weren't happy, and I felt like our marriage was falling apart. I was miserable. Our kids weren't happy because we were working so hard and so much. And honest to God, we didn't realize that we'd made it. That was the truth. We didn't realize what success looked like. We hadn't really defined it for ourselves. I knew I didn't care to be famous. I grew up as an actress and and in a performing world, so I already came from that, and I didn't really want that. I just wanted to make a good living, and I didn't know what a good living looked for us. You know, and I I think that definitely with this accident, it really made us, we sat down. It was actually before the accident. I sat down, and I looked at Marco, and I just got this, like, I had an aha moment, and I went, what does success look like to me? What do I need to be happy? Because success mm. to me is happiness. So if success, if the word success was changed with happiness, which is ultimately what I'd rather have. Right. What is that? What do I need to be happy? Mm. And then I made a list of what I didn't need to be happy. 
And I was like, three things, okay? I wanted enough money that we could do what we wanted with. Didn't have to be extravagant. Right. Just enough that we could live freely. I wanted to spend a lot of time with my family. Mm. And then the third thing was that I, I needed to travel. That's where I get my inspiration. Yeah. And I love to see new things and ex- have new experiences. And Marco's was exactly the same thing, just in a different order. That's really cool. And um, the things we didn't want. And the things we didn't want was like, you know, and I was very real with myself. I was like, do I want to be famous? Do I want the recognition? Do I want, you know, to have that big photography name and people to like know who I am and like follow and be so intrigued, you know, and that's glamorous and it's cool. And it, you know, it looks so awesome. But the reality of it is that that was not going to make me happy. That was going to cause more anxiety in my life. Sure. That wasn't what I strived for. And so we defining what we didn't want help too. Sometimes you know what you don't want, but you don't know what you do want. That's such a great point. This is something actually, Tony Robbins, one of my favorite books is a book called Reawaken the Giant Within. It's mm. um, it's actually a more recent version of the original book called Awaken the Giant Within, but a guy named Tony Robbins wrote this book. And it talks about some really powerful psychological principles that can ultimately enable a happier life, like you're, like you're describing. And one of the things he talks about is being clear about what you don't want in your life. So that's an absolutely beautiful point. I love the um, I'm going to borrow a word from my, my friend, Sean, who I just interviewed a little bit ago, but he uses the word intentional or intentionality. And I love the intentionality behind deciding, in this case, what you didn't want and ultimately creating a life around those ideas. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you what you did want was something as simple as, like you said, money that, that ultimately just meets meets the basic needs. But then time, which is so significant, it's not renewable. And then with that time, you can ultimately travel. I mean, mm-hmm. what a beautiful picture. What's the, what's the latest place that you guys have traveled to with your kids? With our kids? Well, it's hard right now because of, of Emma. Sure. Because um, air planes are difficult. She oh, can't I can ride imagine. In a car for very long. Okay. So okay. we're doing a lot more local stuff. Like, um, so we had, we had actually always wanted to have like a, one of those all inclusive, like family vacations where you get to like, you know, do the outskirting, but all the food is taken care of. Yeah. You know, Marco's our chef at home. He's amazing. <laughs> he just, he just gave a nod and a, he and, is, and he's a sly grin. He's fantastic. <laughs> um, I'm very lucky and he'll do laundry and like everything. God, I'm just blessed. <laughs> Everybody needs a Marco. Um, I really do say that because he runs, he makes our business real too. So we, we booked a family vacation and we, we bought it. We gave it to the kids for Christmas and, um, we ended up canceling it because Emma was in so much pain and there was no way that she could travel or sit in an airplane that mm, long. Yeah. And so, um, we did buy the travel insurance and so we, we did that, but we've always wanted to do something like that. Just so like, you know, Marco doesn't have to cook. It's, it's included for you. So it gives everybody in our family kind of a break. Sure. And we kind of just wanted that experience once and then we'll do other things. But sure. now we're kind of looking at more like ways to do things at home. And of course with like all the medical bills that we've got, we're trying not to spend extra, but stay, you know, within a budget, but yeah. really do those. So, yeah. um, our daughter loves comedy and our son does too. So we have, a, we have a, a son that's actually older than her, but we'll go to comedy shows and every month we make sure that we schedule a family outing. That's cool. And, uh. And again, there's that intentionality too, just mm-hmm. making the time. And it really doesn't have to be so complicated, you know, just putting it in the calendar and making it happen. And I, and I love the commitment to that. I think that's really, really great. And what about the two of you? Have you gotten on a trip that you've been really excited about in the last year or two? Besides Phoenix, we're in Phoenix now. We are in Phoenix right now. <laughs> we just got back from the Ozarks because I was speaking there. Oh, wow. We went to North Carolina 
visited your family, and then we went to Outer Banks, which I love. Oh, it's it beautiful. So beautiful. Absolutely. But I got a couple on the beach. Yeah. I had a, a breakdown because I do that. And I needed to get away yeah. because there was all the drama with, with Emma and, and shuffling family and work and needing sure. to pick stuff up and, sure. you know, medical bills. We weren't in any debt besides student loans. And so here we are now, like with $2 million just of <laughs> medical debt. Overwhelmed. Yeah. And we're like, okay. And I was like, I just need to get away. So we did this little trip to Colorado and I found a cabin. So it's kind of like glamping because there wasn't, it didn't have real electricity. Okay. It was just lights, so like solar-powered lights. Okay. Um, so you want to make sure you turn it off so that you have some at night. Right. But it was really secluded. They made sure that you had to have a four-wheel drive vehicle to get there. So I drove up through all these rocky mountains and crazy off-road. Thought we were going to slide off of a mountain at one point. They're not wide enough to drive two cars. So it's just one. And oh, you wow. hope you don't run into oncoming traffic. Okay. And uh, we stayed there for five days, had no cell phone service. And it was amazing. That <laughs> sounds perfect. Absolutely. <laughs> I love Colorado. But I, I, even more so just in general, the idea of being able to get away where you can where you can turn off, you can have quiet. And ideally, you have the opportunity to connect with somebody that's important in your life like you guys did. That's, that's a beautiful, beautiful picture. And it's, it's so important that we make time to do this. I'm actually I'm doing a presentation in the morning at, at the morning session. And um, one of the thing that, things I'm going to be talking about is that the importance of just prioritizing time away, trips, vacations, and not just one a year. You know, a lot of people do that where they kind of create this one big vacation that they take a year and they plan on that and they look forward to it and they take mm-hmm. it and it's kind of a letdown afterwards, right? Do two or three a year at least where you're making time to get away because we should be capitalizing on that freedom and that flexibility that we can have as, as entrepreneurs if we're making the time, which I think is a great segue again to what, we, what I'd really like to dive into a little bit yes. more, which is this, this 20-hour work week. Yeah. Um, you're a wedding photographer. And, and just as a side note for those listening in, um, I'll, I'll mention their website is photosedge.com, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you guys make sure that you check out Aaron and Marco's site. But you're a wedding photographer, and this is, this is your livelihood, and yet you were able to kind of narrow your work down, focus your workflow down to just 20 hours a week. Yeah. Can you talk to us a little bit, especially for our listeners, about some of the practical things that you did that enabled you to go from what I would assume would have been at least 30 or 40 hours a week to 20 hours a week. So we, we mainly started with weddings, but we do like family, seniors, kids. I mean, it just grew. Okay. So it's all, all of it. So we really had to cut down. And um, we were working more than 40. I mean, it was like 80, 120. Like yeah. We were not sleeping. We sure. were really working. Marco's laughing hilariously in the background. He is, because it was, <laughs> it was ridiculous. Like that's why we were all miserable. And, um, and we really weren't, we didn't even know it for a while, but, you know, more of that. But so, we, so we get like this jolt. Yeah. So we go from like a few hours of sleep a night yeah. to like less than 20 hours a week. Wow. And we ended up doing something really amazing where I, I started diving in. I, I have, I was halfway through my MBA in marketing when Marco had like what I call a come to Jesus moment. And he sat down with me. He was like, you know, we don't have any debt except student loans. And this is really expensive. And he was like, and you work for yourself. And I can't imagine you working for anybody else. So are you actually going to pay yourself more money by getting this degree? Or since you're already ahead of your class, since all the information you're doing is like old, because by the time it hits a textbook, it's like, what, four 
you know, four years past due, he was like, you know, and I, I say this repeatedly, photographers are amazing marketers. Even if you feel like you are a bad marketing person, you are better than most other businesses out there. Our community does a really good job of sharing and promoting and hmm. talking about okay. how to actually connect to our clients, okay. which marketing is just talking to our clients. Sure. Um, and so I was like, well, okay, you're right. And so I didn't do that. Well, I took that research that I learned and I dove into doing more research. So I had a class of like, it was like the history of marketing. And so like some of the best campaigns. Well, then I, I went back through, I'm sitting in a hospital. I go back through and I'm like, let's dive in. We don't have time to reinvent the wheel. So I'm not coming up with something new, but let's go dive into some history and let's figure out and let's talk about what, what this is. Where did this come from? Where, what can we learn from? How can we be better? So as I did that, I started realizing that like, it wasn't about my why. My why was not important. My why was hard. And when I first started, my why sucked because my why was real. My why was like, we were broke and poor and we had no money and all I needed to do was pay the next month's rent. Literally, Marco got laid off from a job, came home, said, hey, you know how you wanted to start that photography business? And I was like, yeah. That would be a good time. And he goes, well, <laughs> um, now would be great. And yeah. I was like, okay. We looked at our bank account and we paid some bills. We had $30 left and we had to make rent the next month. That's how we started our business. Yeah. And we turned a profit every year because we'd not buy stuff we did not have. Sure. So I, I, I did drop it because there was no point in me doing that. But when we were sitting in the hospital, I was like, you know, can't reinvent the wheel. So, cause that takes too long. So time wise, like what can I do? So I started just doing this research and really diving into the history of marketing and why people did what they did, how it changed, and then major events. And then I analyzed those major events like 9-11 and what that meant for sales and marketing in our community. Well, 9-11 created fear-based selling. Hmm. Everybody was afraid. And also, you know, when the people talk about helicopter parents, I'm so, I feel so bad for those parents, but they raised their children with amber alerts, red alerts, orange alerts. They were literally afraid. And so they really took care of their kids. They were genuinely afraid of planes running into buildings, of people coming and shooting up our schools. I mean, it happens right now within, what, the last few weeks we've had Texas. There was a church that got shot. People are afraid for a reason. So for us to judge them for that fear is just not even accurate. We need to understand why it exists so that we can actually take care of those people because they're our clients. And once I realized that and I started analyzing it, I, I just started going, you know, why I do this is because I love people. I didn't, I didn't think I did. I used to be like, God, I hate people because they were mean. <laughs> you know, there are mean people. But when you actually target your market, you know, I my clients are brilliant. They're smart. They're busy. I respect them. They respect me back. I know that they can tell the difference between good and great and I treat them like they can. Um, and that is awesome because that says something because that means I'm great. You know, if my clients can tell the difference between good and great and I'm great, that means something. <laughs> That's awesome. I started just communicating with them and I started taking the time and I started going back. And I, and part of it too is that Emma, you know, I was so thankful. Um, you know, I took being a mom for granted. I didn't know what it was like to really be a mom. Until you're afraid your child's going to die. You're, th you're thankful that they don't. And I sat there and I was like, you know, these moms, these brides, they love their children that much. Hmm. And so instead of treating them, and of course, some of the bride and grooms, they're so independent because their parents raised them to be. 
they're educated, they're smart, they're independent, but their parents want to be active. And I was like, how can, what can I do? And I was, so I, I separated the, my bride and groom and I was like, okay, well, we're going to do, we're going to view your wedding separate. And then I'm going to have your mom and dad come in and they get to view their own and they can order whatever they want. They can do whatever they want. It has nothing to do with you guys. And you guys can order whatever you want. If you want to do it together, great. But if you want to do it separate and I made my, I allowed my bride and grooms to choose hmm. and they were like, we want to come in like a date night with us. We want to curl up with you guys and like, you know, snuggle on the couch, drink some wine, beer, tea, coffee, whatever they're into and relive our wedding, listen to music, enjoy it and see it and have that experience and then choose our wall art and, and choose our album. And we want that for us. And we don't want our parents like, you know, telling us that our choices are wrong. You know, <laughs> we, we want what we want. And so we did that and they came in and, and they ended up spending more and we did that with engagement sessions and the parents bought stuff and then they bought a lot at the wedding and then we would end up and they'd have ideas like, hey, well, you know, could we do bridal portrait session? You know, because I mean, we're doing engagement and then and we're like, sure, why not? And they're like, do people even do that? Well, down south they do. But I was like, yes, they do that. You can do that. If you okay. want that, let's do that. Yeah. Well, then they did bridal portrait sessions and then we would talk about a bride would come back and be like, can I add boudoir? I'm like, Sure. And I was like, I'm not selling this to people. And I don't want to be a salesperson. I'm not a salesperson. Hmm. Um, but to offer it up, to tell them, like, you know, your idea is not crazy. You're awesome. And let's do this. You want to do it? Let's do it. And we don't give our clients permission. And they need that. They need the encouragement to know that their ideas are great. And when we ended up doing that, I ended up with a $6,000 wedding turned into a $15,000 wedding. Wow. And we had a $7,000 wedding turned into a $16,000 wedding. Wow. And then it just grew. And we still have that. And But it's all because you, you made room for a real relationship to begin I with, did. wouldn't you say? I did, yeah. And it was cool because it allowed me, like... So one bride and groom, they, they had a, an album of their engagement session and I knew like the parents had come in and the parents bought a parent album that was larger than the bride and groom's album. It was a 10 by 10 instead of a 12 by 12 and the bride had a 12 by 12, but they maxed out the pages and we were like, okay, well they were coming in and I was like, I really want to give them a special gift. Like these parents were awesome and I'd already given the bride and groom a special gift and I just wanted to, well, I ordered the engagement album, which took place on the their their daughter graduated from a university that both of her parents went to so they were alumni and so I made their engagement album and I just gave it to them like this leather bound like beautiful engagement album and the mom sat there and was like a super teary eyed and was like you know really thankful and it was amazing and then she left and I got this wonderful wonderful heartfelt letter back hmm. now these people were what I felt like, I mean, I enjoyed them, but they were difficult. They interviewed nine photographers before they hired us. Nine. That's a lot. They came in with samples of stuff from their kids when they were first communion. Yeah. And they were like, we want the prints to look like this with this backing. And I was like, okay, I had to call my lab and be like, hey, guys, do you have this? Yeah, it's this. That's really old stuff. It's great. And I'm like, all right, well, I need that. <laughs> 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 you know, and it was one of those things where during their initial consultation, they asked me for things that I did not have. And I was like, I got to call a timeout, guys. I want to book you. I want to do it now. But I need to go do some research for you. 
And I need to make sure that I can provide exactly the service that you want. I think we're a good fit. I would love to photograph your wedding, but you're asking for specific products. And I want to make sure that I can provide those products to you. And so I called a timeout and didn't close the booking. I didn't ask for it. I was like, Hmm. take the contract home, read over. If you have questions, let us know, like get back with us. But I got to get back to you. So I closed it. (laughs) But, But you were making time ultimately to take care of the client. And I'm sure that spoke volumes to them. Yeah. And that, that's really significant. And we were actually chatting about all of this a little bit yesterday. And there were two components that you mentioned that, that came, or two experiences, two big ideas, I guess, ultimately, that came out of this traumatic experience with your daughter. Mm-hmm. One specifically was that, that transition to figuring out how to work less mm-hmm. and still be able to generate the necessary income. Um, but then you also talked about how the experience ultimately encouraged you to engage with your clients on a deeper, more emotional level. But it seems like these two things are really one and the same. It's the fact that you made time, created space to to develop deeper relationships with your clients that enabled, um, certainly ultimately in the end, better transactions or more revenue per client. Yeah, but, but that you had a more fulfilling goal. right. And, and and that's obvious. And that's obvious. And I think that's the beautiful thing here and, and a wonderful example for our listeners is that you prioritized the relationship. You made space for a real relationship. You made time to invest in the relationship with those clients. And in the end that meant that your business did well. But ultimately, what's most fulfilling then, of course, is that you have a, a real and genuine relationship with your clients, and it translates to your photography. Your, your photographic work is just beautiful. Thank if you guys you. haven't had the chance to, to take a look at their site, I know I mentioned the, the link earlier, but it's photosedge.com. You can also follow them on Instagram. It's Instagram, of course, dot com, but slash photos.edge. Um, make sure you check them out on Instagram. But, but it speaks volumes to... Um, the significance of a relationship. This has been a theme certainly this week at, at yeah, the conference, the United yeah. Conference. And it's a theme really here on the podcast People as well. People want their lives back. Yeah, for sure. For and sure. And they need it. Well, and, and the empathy that you learned to to feel for others as a result of the experience that you had with your daughter, um, this is a lesson that, that, um, that we can all learn, the significance of that empathy and how it translates to a better relationship with our clients, which ultimately just makes a better experience all around for the client, certainly, but for us as business owners as well. It's easy to get burnt out when we're just thinking numbers and business all the time. When we actually have an opportunity for a real relationship with our clients, it's so much more fulfilling. It's way more fun. It's why we want to do it. Absolutely. But I will tell you, talking about the business and the numbers, we made $40,000 more working less than 20 hours a week that year than we did the previous year. But by prioritizing relationships. We did. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's just a beautiful example. And I don't think anything more even needs to be said. I think, I think you could no. drop the mic at this point. I think it's, it's a, <laughs> but it's seriously a great point. And it's a really, really great example. And I, and I can't thank you enough for making time to be both vulnerable and sharing your experience and your story. But ultimately, what I think is a really wonderful lesson and reminder for, for all of us. It's really, really wonderful. I do want to say one more thing before we go. Sure. And I, I, it's a message that I really want photographers to have and to think about. What if you knew that your clients wanted you to be successful. Hmm. They don't want you to fail. They want you to be successful. They want you to have a profitable business. They want you to make a good living. They really do. And I learned that. Interesting. That translates, you know, all these conversations about, about photographers, um, lack of confidence, their fears, their apprehensions, Mm -hmm. worried about what the client's thinking or if the client's going to like their work. 
but I love the spin on it and, and a, certainly a much more positive spin. What if, yes. what if you realize the client actually wants you to do well? I love it. That's beautiful. Let's, let's just stop with that. I don't Perfect. think anything more needs to be said. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much, Aaron. Thank you so much, Marco. Thank you guys so much for making time for us. Thank here you. The you are Podcast. wonderful. This is amazing. That's oh, very kind of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. Come.